Today I'm speaking with Josie Kins, who I think would best be described as a psychedelic researcher, although her projects branch across a few different areas like content creation on YouTube and Reddit. She's probably most well known for her work on the website Subjective Effect Index, which attempts to define psychedelic terminology into a standard vocabulary, with the idea being that by documenting what certain phrases mean, you know, for example, DMT breakthrough, then it has a defined set of characteristics which we can use to make sure we're all talking about the same thing. Now, Josie is a fascinating person to chat with, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. We went off on various tangents, but we covered topics like her work as a researcher, this kind of push-pull between different ideologies within the psychedelic community, materialism, spirituality, and some very out-there stuff about the nature of consciousness. It was a lot of fun. I'll leave some links in the description below to Josie's YouTube channel and website, so go and check those out. And yeah, without further ado, I bring you Josie Kins. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just, let's just jump into it. So, Josie, how are you All doing? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, I've had a crazy year and a half. Um, I started working for a biotech research company founded by a close friend of Alex Shulgin. And that's been a lot. Uh, before I started that job, I was working minimum wage in a sex toy store, so it's a bit of a bit of a well, step up. I, I, I think we might we might like jump too far straight in. So let's maybe let's backtrack a bit then, because uh, I mean, you and I we, we've we've talked before, but maybe just for the uh, sort of the, the folks at home, because I think I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation is that yeah, you have had this very drastic um, change in sort of direction and uh, changing sort of you know things going on with your life in the last 18 months but let's just backtrack just very very briefly to where we were 18 months ago because as you say you you were right. kind of, you had this like one focus over over here um we are basically around the sort of based around your website and your reddit and stuff and of course the sex shop you know let's not forget that that was that was in there as well right that was funding <laughs> me <laughs> so so yeah let's, I mean, let, let's let's introduce who you were and then let's introduce who you have become Okay, sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially the same person, but uh, I guess a year and a half ago, I was focusing on my website effect index and the subjective effect index project along with the R replications community. Uh, I guess I've become a somewhat prominent uh, online figure within the drug nerd psychonaut community, mostly as the founder of Psychonaut Wiki is the most prominent thing I've done, although I haven't really been involved in that platform since around uh, 2017, which I always try to remind people of. And uh, I was doing that as a passion project, which I've been doing for the last 10 years or so. My main passion is uh, trying to establish uh, what I'm thinking of as a brand new field of formalized phenomenology that documents the altered states of consciousness from a formal academic standpoint, which kind of led me to create the Subjective Effect Index, which is um, the, the one that is currently online is a collection of around 200 individual Subjective Effect articles with in-depth descriptions, leveling systems, and then for the sensory effects, primarily visual stuff, there's an entire replications community that tries to produce uh, image and video replications of what it's like to undergo those experiences and I've been working on that for the last decade or so and I'm still very much in that but now I have funding from capitalism so I have a lot more resources behind it now which is nice well I think that's I mean the, uh, from, from what I'm gathering I, I guess we can get into that 
it's really what what's happened is a transition from a kind of a passion project into a profession it sounds like um which is you know pretty it's almost like the kind of like you know the the, the fairy tale the thing that you sort of you do just because you're interested in and now suddenly you've made a career but is that is my understanding right is that this has become like a, a career for you so this kind of leads more into like the where we are today kind of aspect uh yeah pretty much so um, I got picked up by a company called uh, Mind State Design. It was founded by two guys, uh, one of which is Tom Ray, who was a close friend of Alex Shulgin, and he's been trying to continue mm -hmm. Shulgin's work. And another is Dylan Donato, who's more of a finance guy. And uh, the, the company is essentially trying to correlate receptor affinities with subjective effect outcomes in order to design bespoke psychedelic therapies that can target specific altered states of consciousness instead of just um, saying, uh, I don't know, here's the entire contents of your subconscious, good luck. Uh, in instead, we, we, we want a model where we can <laughs> induce very specific subjective states to lead to specific clinical outcomes. And the way that we've been trying to do that is to develop a formal classification system of altered states of consciousness which has um, branched off of the subjective effect index that I've been working on for the last decade or so. Um, uh, we've been trying to overhaul that into a brand new version that's been based on a large-scale literature review of all known classification systems of altered states of consciousness in existence, which there are quite a few of. The subjective effect index was the most comprehensive one, but there's a bunch of other ones of varying levels of intellectual rigor and just general quality. So I've been looking at psychometric scales like the Altered States of Consciousness scale, Mystical Experience Questionnaire, MEQ 30, a bunch of different psychometric scales and also really weird stuff like the DMT Nexus's Hyperspace Lexicon, the Aeroid mm -hmm. Psychedelic Experience FAQ, just anything that I can find. And then I've been putting them all into um, a system in which the terms are interconvertible and uh, it's essentially developed an overarching classification system which incorporates all of these other classification systems into something that's going to be published in a paper and we are hoping it's going to be analogous to the DSM but for mm. also states of consciousness instead of mental illnesses and um, I, I've been given I'm getting regular consultations with leading experts in different fields and stuff to make sure that it's rigorous since I don't really have an academic background myself. I've just um, maxed all my skill points into this one very specific thing and it's been really nice to get that kind of help. I've been talking a lot with a guy called uh, Andrew Newberg who's the world's leading expert in the neurological study of mystical and religious experiences. And he's helped me develop a new ontology or classification system of mystical and religious experiences as induced by psychedelics or other psychoactive substances. And that's that's been really fucking cool. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it so far. I could probably talk about it for longer. Um. <laughs> well, I think just a minute, just based on what you've said there, Anna, and certainly this is, comes into where sort of you and I have, have, have sort of crossed paths a few times. You are plugged into like a fairly big net because you have been dabbling with you know in these things so long you have got this quite big network going across things like reddit and sort of you know the the replication subreddit that you're no doubt I'm, I'm sure you go across various other forms but also you're on discord server i swear you know i see you regularly i get pinged where like you're, you're asking questions out to your, your sort of your um, the, the people who are within that community and i always thought that was a, a really cool thing that you know, there's i think there's a 
uh, a kind of a, a, a bit of a, a cliche within these kind of circles that when people um, move into these kind of p positions of status within the community, that they kind of adopt a kind of like I know best um, sort of attitude. And from yourself, I, I, I see that you're always kind of, you know, asking. And I think that's particularly now that you have moved into this um, you know, into this position that you're in, this, this opportunity, and that has, like you said, it's not come from an, uh, an academic barrier. It's come, it's come from pure, like, <laughs> blood and sweat, which is very <laughs> admirable to be honest, Josie. I think it's, you know, really oh, like kudos, you. kudos to you for, cross, for you know, crossing that that boundary. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, there's a, that how you go across all these different circles of um, kind of like the visual replication through to this kind of. Um, cataloging the stuff, yeah, I, I can. I mean, I, I, it kind of blows my mind a little bit how, how you managed, how you've got that much uh, mental mental bandwidth. So when you say you put all your skill points into it, it I think it's quite a, actually a broad, um, yeah, set of skills that that you, that you manage in there. But can, can I just oh, ask, like, in, 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 mm -hmm. in regards to, so I mean, what does this translate into? So um, you, you mentioned your. Um, working with this company, there it seems mm -hmm. like you, you, you are trying to correlate subjective effects with certain, you know, you have to forgive my kind of layman's language, but kind of like certain pathways in the in the brain or, or certain receptors. Yeah. And and what's the output of that? Is this where you would it, it kind of says, okay, we we'll, we need a drug that looks like this. Go somebody, go make it. Uh, so what I want to create is, and it's probably the thing that's going to be. Uh, pr profitable from a, a biotech standpoint is a predictive model where say if we have a collection of psychedelics I think right now we have 30 different psychedelics where we have broadly assayed them so we know all of the different receptors in the brains that they affect and to what extent if we go through experience reports w of those substances with a truly comprehensive classification system and we label sentence fragments within those reports uh, with the uh, subjective effects or categories of subjective effects that they are inducing on a large scale we can then oh my headphone just fell out one second <laughs> that's all right oh you just got these but uh yeah we can then start to build up a predictive statistical model in which we can correlate receptor pathways with subjective effect outcomes and mm -hmm. what i want is a model that says under this particular set of variables say this person that's this uh gender height weight age this setting on this drug at this dosage has this percentage likelihood of experiencing this given set of subjective effects at these levels of intensity with these particular style variations and that is likely to lead into this given therapeutic outcome mm -hmm. um, to whatever degree that we possibly can. That's all That's all plausible and doable. It's just a matter of building up um, enough statistical data where we can start to draw those correlations. And it's, it's, it's a big project. But now that I have, uh, I've spent the last year developing this new overhaul of the subjective effect index, which um, it has over 500 different labels. The one that's on effect index right now has around 200 labels. The subjective effect index will be on effect index, uh, by the way. It's not really trademarkable, which is probably a good thing. So we're hoping it's going to be sort of a universal terminology set for researchers and the general public to discuss, describe, document, study these altered states of consciousness. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've taken this new system 
and I've started applying it to trip reports and we're building up statistical correlations, but now I'm being given the resources to train teams of labelers so that we can start to do it en masse, preferably with every single trip report that is on the internet, which are, I don't know, it's probably about 50 to 100,000 reports, but that's gonna take a long time. Uh, so we're starting with the substances that we have the receptor affinity data for, because there's a lot of obscure psychedelics out there where there's plenty of reports for them, but we don't know what they're doing in the brain because they're just randomized research chemicals. Mm -hmm. And uh, analyzing those reports isn't particularly useful yet, but we'll get around to it eventually. So is this like, I mean, to, to, if we can put this in like fairly simple terms, is it, so you're talking about like being able to like dial in and say, I want a what people refer to as like a mystical experience or I want an, an ego death or I want, or, you know, even, um, I, you know, I want the, the God experience or, or something. Is, is, is that kind of where you're going? Or are you, are you trying to be even more precise? Like I want things that look like, like visually like this or. Um, so if, if we, if we can induce mystical experiences consistently, that would be great if we could induce uh, states of unity and interconnectedness consistently. That would be amazing. I'm not entirely sure how possible that is. There do mm. seem to be some substances that induce it more readily than others, 5-MeO-DMT being the biggest one that I can think of. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily consistent and it's not necessarily sustainable. <clears throat> so I, I think what we're leaning towards right now is... Uh, probably just having a model where the trip can be more predictable and psychedelic therapies can be more guided, essentially, <laughs> and reliable. And it, and that's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned uh, 5-MeO-DMT because I was actually having a kind of a bit of a debate with, with another sort of YouTuber personality regarding sort of 5-MeO-DMT. And I, I, tend, I don't tend to think of 5-MeO-DMT yeah, as like, particularly mystical uh, certainly i've had things that have that you know with a lot of these psychedelics they cross over into various different states um but for me I, you know it, it it very much invokes this kind of this non-dual this kind of state of of oneness but i don't tend to think of that as the mystical experience so i'm wondering like with within within your sort of categorization like does that not kind of trip you up a bit that, that people are going to have different ideas of, of what these things are yeah, so when it comes to a mystical experience, I prefer the term transpersonal experience. Mm. Um, but whether or not something is a mystical experience seems to be entirely in the eye of the beholder. Uh, for example, if a hallucination or contact with an autonomous entity could be considered a mystical experience under the right circumstances, particularly if you're meeting, say, <clears throat> some sort of religious deity or something that you feel is a divine presence but then say if somebody met uh i don't know a, a mainstream religious deity I, I could experience that and since i'm not personally religious i could see it as just a an absurd meme -y sort of shit post hallucination and the interpretation could be completely different depending on the perspective of the person so <clears throat> sorry my throat's a bit fucked but uh with uh, with mystical and transpersonal experiences, I personally find them to be spiritual, but mm. I interpret them all. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know why my throat is screwing up. Ugh. Do a big throat clearer. <laughs> yeah, I'll just mute myself. Go for it. I'll just fill, fill in the awkward silence now while the. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. If, 
if you can, if you can edit it out later, uh, I know you probably won't. It's, it's, it's whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so I tend to view everything through a materialist, a materialist lens, and I consider myself a spiritual person, but mostly kind of from a perspective of secular Buddhism or something in that realm. People do pick up on these things very differently, and I regularly have people hounding me on the internet talking about non-material planes and uh, DMT entities being real, and a lot of people are angry on me, uh, angry at me on YouTube right now for insisting that DMT entities are hallucinations. So that's been interesting. But yeah, people do seem to interpret these things completely differently. Cool. Can we, can we just have a little bit of fun with that? Let's let's unpack some of the, the stuff you just said there. Then, so, okay. I, I, th I think what what you'd kind of you kind of describe yourself as like a spiritual materialist, and I, I think probably I would kind of use those labels for myself. And similarly, I Im you know, you, you get people who are very devout with this kind of stuff, and um, the the kind of the the model that I've kind of proposed for. For the although not officially, although this will be something I'll be putting in my uh, upcoming book, in, insert quick plug. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of tend to think of these things as um, really like sl very slightly overlapping magisteria. So that if we kind of um, could think of like say uh, the, the sort of the center of the sort of Venn diagram is us, the experience that we're having, and we're interacting with a material plane and a uh, you know, at night we interact with a, a dream plane, and we, we we've got this ongoing emotional plane and psychic. So these kind of di different magisteria are kind of overlapping through the central point of us. <laughs> and I think it's the, the mistake that people make within the psychic community is this is around this world of real that people kind of need psychedelics to be real. And I would kind of put it in the same kind of things like I don't need my dreams to physically manifest in in you know a material reality in front of me just like i don't need the love i have for my children to physically manifest as like yeah. you know, solid fluffy hearts so I, I think i think if everyone could just chill out and just accept that these things are like their own <laughs> yeah. independent sort of realms of fuck knows what then uh, they, they could all get on a little bit better but yeah do you want to throw your own thoughts in there uh yeah so i i i feel the same way i don't think the fact that these hallucinations aren't fifth dimensional aliens from the future lessens the uh, spiritual and emotional impact that they have. I don't think that's necessary. I, I think it's pretty amazing that the human brain is the most complex system in the known universe and that it can uh, generate consciousness at all and that it can generate uh, multiple consciousnesses at the same time. I, I do think when you communicate with an autonomous entity, it is uh sentient in a way just because the brain is capable of generating that but i, I do very much think you're just communicating with the subconscious mm -hmm. yeah I, I tend to lean i mean i, I flip-flop between a lot of these different theories and I, I tend to sort of like go down some rabbit holes to have fun with them but the one i do start to tend to lean more towards is the kind of more like the Jungian archetype sort of point of view and i think this is it doesn't seem particularly radical to me. I know what the kind of the inside of my own head sounds like, and it's annoying. It's It's got, you know, there are like different voices coming to surface, even if I don't want them to. So the idea that one of these could take the form of some kind of archetype that's either been culturally or genetically embedded within me doesn't seem, you know, completely uh, preposterous. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Yeah. 
and I think that how you know the, the kind of the need to jump for it to jump to aliens or or sort of or the divine or something, um, it just seems a bit unnecessary. And, and I think particularly when we know you know well, more, I think most people would, would recognise that from our dreams you can have very very powerful dreams. I've woken up in tears after dreams from from relationships. You know, I, I've had a, mm-hmm. I remember, you know having dreams of like where I had children that I never had on the, the, the recognition, the realisation that I was going to wake up and lose this, uh, lose this child, it would, I was bawling my eyes out. So, and I, again, I don't need that to be physically real. So it's a, it's a funny one that, that people have to validate something so transcendent in something so, yeah, just kind of like, where, where, yeah, it just it seems very unnecessary for me. But uh, mm-hmm. if we can just so, so when if you mentioned the kind of like the spiritual element, and I'm just being playing sort of devil's advocate here. So how how would you define that part of it? Uh, spirituality. Yeah. Uh, to me, spirituality is putting one's life into a bigger picture context that gives it a meaning beyond itself, and mm. you can do that through some sort of mythology or story uh, such as i don't know the standard abrahamic religions or anything like that or, or you can do it through uh you can do it through models that don't depend on things that aren't scientific I, I don't think it's necessary to kind of invoke those sorts of things to be spiritually satisfied a lot of buddhism is a good example of that and i do think that there is a drive within human brains to develop I guess, spiritual frameworks that put one's life into a bigger picture context in order to give a person a sense of meaning and purpose and context. And I think that 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 part of the brain is quite prevalent and the psychedelics activate it and it Mm. causes people to come up with all these crazy ideas about how the world works if they regularly undergo psychedelic experiences without some sort of... uh, rational grounded framework to interpret those experiences through so um i i often call this experience uh mckenna syndrome like i'm a huge fan of mckenna but Mm. i i think that if you do a lot of psychedelics your brain will start to come up with very interesting theories about how things work to put your life into a context and if you're prone to new agey or pseudoscientific belief systems then you'll start coming up with the stereotypical things that a lot of psychedelic users um, end up being involved in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I completely agree around sort of, you know, I don't consider myself a fan of McKenna, but I think, you know, the one thing that's always worth pointing out with, with, with Terence McKenna, for all his brilliance and all his poetry, there was a bit where he was completely fucking nuts. Like, there was, he had, mm-hmm. he, definitely, he definitely had a, had a blip <laughs> where it was all these kind of time wave zero stuff. And I think that's, I, I think that's the kind of the, you know, the part with um, with cyclists that can be quite insidious because they can like sort of very. I think people are kind of very used to the idea of um, you take cyclics and something dramatic happens and you, you you're instantly mad. Um, but this kind of chipping away at um, sort of rationality and um, you know just 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 sort of what what sort of makes sense and, and what doesn't. And I've seen this happen in, in like a, a lot of people. I think that's definitely what happened with Terence McKenna. And then you know you start conf- conforming things to fit your your wacky ideas. And yeah, I've seen some guys getting some some real uh, uh, tricky uh, tricky states with that. So I mean, you mentioned sort of like grounding. I mean, I mean, how, how, what's your kind of 
what's your basis? So is it just you'd, have you have you have you got any particular like, framework that you use for keeping yourself sort of centered? Uh, <clears throat> so it's it's nothing that's particularly fleshed out that I could debate in a, I don't know a philosophy <laughs> uh, kind of co context, but I tend to just view the world through a materialist lens. Uh, I don't believe in magic, and I haven't seen any evidence that those sorts of things exist. So I tend to just interpret everything as occurring through physical process and um, the human mind, which I just see as um, an electrochemical computer. And I interpret everything through that lens, and I just haven't had any experiences that seem to me like I need to invoke anything more than that to explain them. And I mm -hmm. haven't really heard of anybody having experiences that truly uh, necessitate anything be beyond that. Um, but th there are things with uh, synchronicities what, that start to make me start to make my framework crack a little bit, but I could totally see synchronicities or events that seem unrelated but actually are related, existing as some sort of physical mechanism of how the universe progresses over time. Mm. So uh, I, I could see that being a thing. I, I just don't really think that DMT entities exist outside of the human brain. Uh, I think that if you take a hallucinogenic, you will hallucinate, and that that's the simplest explanation. I, I tend to think of uh, Occam's razor a lot when I'm considering considering yeah. these sorts of questions. Yeah, I, I just tend to, for, for me, just like yourself, rather, rather than rooting it in, I guess, what, you, you know, I, I mean, it depends on what your definition of materialism. I just tend to root it in, like, kind of the, the, the experience that I know I'm having as a human being. So I, I kind of think of... You know, well, what what good does it serve me when, like, you know, I, I spend a, I, I spent a reasonable amount of time on like sort of like ayahuasca retreats and sort of you know places in South America. And there, you get everybody from the the, the full spectrum of New Age, you know, people who like fall mm -hmm. off the New Age ladder and just twatted their head down every single rung on the oh way down. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, no, you, you get some uh, you get some right characters where you know people are talking about, you know crystals and uh you know just every brand of like sort of aliens and and black magic and all sorts of stuff that charge kind of roll my eyes at but um but yeah when when people are like going off with that stuff i just tend to ask, ask them like well what what how does this serve you in, in like your human experience like even even if you do go into some of like the very kind of like um more kind of new age or religious stuff where you're saying you know this is um you know this is like a training ground for some kind of other life that's going to happen afterwards. And my kind of thought is, well, I mean, sure. Or if it's a simulation or, or whatever, like then just surely the, the kind of the role is then to just make the best of this situation. Like what, what good does it do for me to sit there sort of like wondering when aliens or Jesus is, is going to appear. So I, I can just like, through that framework, just grounded it in my human experience and my human experience is kind of in this material realm, but then yeah, I mean, it certainly I can definitely relate to uh, the kind of flack uh, you must get with because uh, people don't like hearing that sort of thing. But I must admit, I must admit that, and certainly you know, th th something I, I did last year. Every so often, I do get these kind of urges to just think, 
fuck it, let's just see what it's like to go absolutely mad and just um, just kind of really just fully immerse yourself in what more or less becomes a kind of a, a completely altered state of being for some mm-hmm. amount of time. And that's kind of like what happens at one of these like, you know, ayahuasca retreats or when I did like DMT straight for a month uh, sometime last year. Um, and yeah, and, and then it's things, I, I could really empathize with, with guys like sort of Terence McKenna, how reality shifts or how, how the, I guess like how the, the base character sheet kind of re-rolls itself a little bit and you start mm-hmm. accepting things. So I was just wondering, have you ever like sort of, I mean, or maybe, maybe you have, have you ever just like, just felt like, just go, fuck this, let's just, ch- ch- let's check out Brain and let's... Uh, yeah, so I had an experience recently where I went to a ketamine retreat in the mountains of Colorado as a sort of corporate team building exercise, you know, standard stuff. And the lady <laughs> there was- team building exercise ever. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we did a lot of team building, it was great. Uh, the, the lady there was uh, kind of new AD. I, I, I loved her, she was amazing. And we did all sorts of Native American rituals and things like that. And man, I was into it. And I had, uh, I had the most beneficial experience with ketamine that, I, I've ever had, and I've done ketamine countless times, but setting intentions, going through all these rituals, playing this weird mystical new age music, having this lady uh, doing prayers to various directions, um, like north, south, east, west, Mm -hmm. up, down, etc. All of that, uh, it it really contributed to the experience. I kind of see ritual um, as a way of hijacking placebo effects to guide the trip and Mm -hmm. make it... uh, more intentional and powerful and yeah that was that was the only experience i've ever had where i've gone ahead and done stuff like that and it really did have a big impact on me uh i I remember being kind of an edgy teenager and hearing from people that i don't know you can only do ayahuasca with a licensed shaman in the rainforest or whatever so i thought fuck this i'm gonna do ayahuasca (laughs) in the least spiritual locations i can possibly think of i i i did ayahuasca and i walked into a mcdonald's i did ayahuasca and i went to a pub or the cinema and the ayahuasca gods didn't kill me or anything like that but i guess the experience was also less impactful and less meaningful and i got less out of it so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that, that I sort just of kind of see that stuff as a tool. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I, I think I, that's where you know I would use the term sort of framework. And I'm, you know, I, I can roll my eyes and cringe as as good as the next person or in some of the some of the the kind of religion almost that is springing is springing up around uh, the kind of like the you know the ayahuasca scene in South America, which is very interesting because most of the in fact like all the shaman that i know in south america would completely reject that kind of religious aspect of it i know there is there is some kind of i spend more time in peru when you get to brazil there's more of a crossover with it into like christianity we're going to like the santo daimi church and stuff oh that's weird but they the way they kind of you know uh in in sort of uh in peruvian amazon the way they kind of view it is that this is there's nothing supernatural going on here at all this is completely natural because it's the plants they kind of revere the plants and so it's uh, yeah they kind of they don't see anything particularly spooky about, about these experiences but i certainly found like immense uh value in um 
taking part in these traditions for like, like similar reasons like you just said and you know I, I go I go and I'm you know I hold my hands but I go and culturally appropriate the fucking shit out of that you know that I'm I'm, I'm the fully garbed <laughs> garbed up in all like the Peruvian sort of you know Shipibo mm-hmm. gear and yeah I, I think you're right in that it's kind of um, tapping into this placebo sort of uh, mechanism or, or you know whatever that is because it's such a not understood thing but it's the way I kind of think of it is it's you, you're signaling to yourself you know you particularly when you go into one of these retreats and you go into like a, a ceremonial space and there's there is a, an air of reverence to it the, the kind of the air of reverence is genuine because you kind of you you know you're trying to you're revering what's about to happen and you sort of you're recognizing that you want everyone in the room to have a good experience and you want this to be a good event and i think there's something very um beautiful about that and particularly when you get you know you know i've been in sort of ayahuasca ceremonies and like the you know the shamans have been over like sort of singing songs and i'm just saying jesus christ what what a fucking amazing um uh just yeah just just slice of humanity that I'm sat here in, in this, on this mat in another country, completely off my tits, and there's a guy here who is singing for my spiritual well-being, I might, you know, my physical well-being as well, and it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. Uh, they don't have any requirement for me to believe it, but they're just going to do it anyway because that's what they believe is, is right. I know, and they, they're, they're singing a language which, they, uh, which communicates with this experience and it does i mean it really well I mean, yeah. we, know, we know how much music affects these things so they they're very tuned into particular sort of kind of types of music and it's just such a um when you, when you talk about things as being a, a spiritual experience it really is a spiritual experience but then the kind of the danger there is that it can cross over into becoming a religious experience of some dogmatic experience which is yeah i think what you would kind of push back against but it's interesting that you you kind of you've you've had that experience because I, I think last time we talked to you I think you were definitely more towards the kind of like no this is all bullshit uh, side of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I was. I mean, I hadn't experienced uh, implementing any ritual within my own psychedelic experiences. Uh, or this was a dissociative experience, but it still did the job before. And this was my first time of it, and it definitely made a big difference to the experience. I overcame some things that I had trouble emotionally processing for a year mm-hmm. prior, and I had plenty of trips <clears throat> uh, for, for the year or so prior, but, but it, it finally did it. And it, I, I do think it was involving uh, that intention and that ritual into, into the experience. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think a lot of the, and you know, here's, here's again where it's kind of the language is a little bit eye-rolling, but it's, hmm. It, it's once you kind of get over your your own sort of and you know by your own I mean my own as well like kind of internal sort of edge lord skepticism sort of yeah eye rolliness then you know the, the the kind of the word I'm I'm talking about is healing you know and I've done more than my fair of, of share of psychedelics sort of you know in my bedroom and sort of in my apartment and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I could have made the same um, emotional connections as I did, like having this kind of experience, like I just talked about, having somebody just sort of um, be a sort of proxy for my well-being. And even though it was kind of in a, like a a language I couldn't understand, and um, it was the the atmosphere, the intention of what was coming out of these people Mm -hmm. just connects to something on you on, on, on like a human level, which 
I don't think you can just reach just just getting absolutely fucking you know as, as mm-hmm. I, I mean I'm not um, you know disregarding the experiences I've, I've had on my own they're amazing but there's those experiences that I have are kind of one thing I think of those are more the kind of like ex, exploring experiences but these kind of healing experiences really um, take on their own shape within these kind of frameworks and I think that's that's where I think you know I, I people probably need to um i think pay a, a bit, bit bit more attention and give them a bit more respect um because yeah yeah because i think that you know there, there's a lot of kind of um you know talk online of like you know oh, no this is just bullshit this is just fucking uh like you know ancient you know that you're just fetishizing some kind of ancient sort of tradition or and maybe that's true to some extent but it doesn't make it less effective. It still, it it, it, it works like yeah, like nothing else I've 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 known. Yeah, over the generations, I do think that they have figured out ways to guide the trip and sort of hack the brain through mm-hmm. these rituals and these activities. And I I I, I think it works. I don't mm-hmm. think it's magical, but it's uh it's it's definitely really powerful. Uh, so something that I've tried to take into account since that experience is that setting intentions for trips makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if I want something that I'm trying to process or overcome, then I, I need to set intentions. Like, I need to write down what I want out of the trip. I need to say it out loud, do, like, do everything I possibly can. And then when I go into the experience, I'm much more likely to have it actually go in that direction. I, I wish that's something I knew more about when I first started tripping uh, over a decade ago as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I do a lot of things from like, like literally writing notes down in, in diaries, or you know, so I, I can sit there and read it moments before I go into these things. Because a lot of the times, particularly with the stuff in South America, I'm going into them with the kind of like, oh shit, what am I doing this again? Like, and just so just having it there like, in readable form uh, is is really helpful. And I totally agree. I think it can um, having that kind of focus really, um, or just, just something you can rather just like. Oh well, I'll get blasted. I'll see what what's what unfolds. I'll see what this this substance does to me, to, to give it that bit of direction. Yeah, it, it can. Um, yeah, can completely uh, change change the the, the, the color of the trip. And uh, and just in, I, I think you know just something you said there around the kind of like it's not uh, magical. I think this is. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I, I think this is one I, I'm kind of I don't know. It's it's a wiggly one to navigate. Because these mm-hmm. these kind of feelings of spirituality of of these feelings of like the sacred, um, which again pop up a lot, in, with, particularly with these kind of like healing experiences or these kind of uh, traditional settings. It, yeah, I, I would agree. It is not literally magic, as in like the sort lots of sort of you know Merlin the magician and 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 that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But there is it certainly evokes the sense of something far bigger and more expansive than myself which then feels incredibly real and transformative and so i think maybe the the, the kind of the magic is is, is kind of a, just a bit of a clumsy word I'll, I'll certainly grant you there are people out there who, who start thinking about magic and in fact i was just on a retreat in um in june where there was like yeah some of these guys you would have absolutely loved them um they were talking about like they were under attack by black magic and they were being um like yeah, there were the, the black magic poison darts, invisible poison darts are being stabbed into them and, and stuff like that. And I was just oh, like, uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And th- this was stuff that I mean, first of all, it was kind of like annoying because it was 
just nonsense. And it was kind of, it was even more annoying because um, they, they started papping on about black magic, like literally like five minutes before we drank ayahuasca. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, guys. Just Black magic? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. If, if you really believe in all this stuff, just, you know, yeah, time and a place, just shut the fuck up and like, you know, have a bit of, you know, t- take, a, take a moment of, of a, a quiet time. So I think that's maybe something, and this is where, where I think your work with around subjective effects and the, and the, the language that you're putting together around this stuff is, is really interesting because it, I think there's something there where it allows to pass out magic, you know, from just kind of some altered state. And that, I think maybe the thing that which gets people's back up there is it, it almost sounds like it's um, being it's being dismissed just to call it like an altered state. But I don't know. I mean, have, have you any thoughts around around that? Uh, yes. Hang on. I'm going to sort my headphones around because I think they're actually in the wrong ear, and that's why I need to keep adjusting them. Oh, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, this is all part of, part of the magic, Joseph. So mm. This is where we're getting like a real insight into into what goes on. So yeah, is that... genius oh, yeah, not by day, but oh, she's just okay. like clumsy as fuck by night. <laughs> <laughs> that is def- that is definitely true. Um, okay, what what was the question again? Um, I was, what, what, oh god, yeah, you've totally you've totally derailed the whole thing. No, no what were you saying? Um, it was something about um, yeah, people viewing the the kind of the term altered states as as being sort right. of derogatory, and so that's you know yeah yeah like like kind of they want they wanting yeah I, I mean let me let me try and yeah people see it as uh, d- d- dismissive. Mm. Uh, I, I've I tried to make the wording in the new subjective effect index at least a little more ontologically neutral. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been talking to a, a guy called Daniel Ingram, who's a pretty prominent writer in the what do I even call it like the the Buddha Bro meditation <laughs> c- community. Uh, he, he's really smart guy and he's encouraging me to be more ontologically neutral in how I describe these things. So instead of calling an effect delusion of telepathy, maybe call it perception of telepathy and uh, just little things uh, like that. I guess I can see why people think that it's dismissive, but I'm trying to get to a point where the descriptions just document the experience and uh, have as little bias or comment on whether or not it's actually a real experience within them as possible. That's something I've been trying to get a little better at in in general. Uh, I don't know if this is related, but I've had a lot of people say that to describe these things at all is some sort of uh, some sort of a sin like I'm, I'm unweaving the rainbow I'm taking away the magic by putting putting words to it and I, I firmly disagree with that kind of uh, that kind of a viewpoint I also have a lot of people say that you can't describe these things because um, <clears throat> they'll words will never fully capture the experience and while I agree that that's true I also think that that's true with using words for literally anything. Mm. I think words and labels are inherently reductive and will never fully capture the subjective experience of something, but they can be pretty good at it. And I don't think the psychedelic experience is a unique exception. I just think we need to develop a terminology system to discuss and describe those things. And then we can go go from there. Yeah, I, th- I think, I, I mean, the thing with, I, I would totally agree around the kind of, yeah, that, that words are never going to sort of do it justice. But that, I mean, like you say, it's the same thing. Words will never describe sex. I mean, you, what, what are you going to, you know, mm-hmm. and you can, as long as, you, as long as you agree on, you know, definitions of stuff, then, then you're going to get in the same sort of ling- linguistic ballpark. 
and I think that's kind yeah. of good enough. And where I sort of where I try and go with my sort of attempts at it is um, to just to, to really kind of fo- I focus more on the narrative aspect and and kind of my journey, like you know, and I, I turn it into a kind of a story. I absolutely acknowledging that this is nothing like it, but I, I kind of, without being too up my own ass, I'm, I'm trying to sort of, I guess, more related to kind of like poetry. Like I'm trying to invoke something rather than sort of literally describe. So when I, you know, because when I do something like a, like a YouTube video, which is a trip report and I'm relying upon visuals provided by other people and stuff like that, those aren't my visuals and, and it's still, it's not, it's, it's a 2D representation. So I, I try and like think, okay, well, what did this actually mean to me? Like, what was I experiencing here? And so I kind of like put it into, yeah, these kind of terms of, of what it felt like. But if I can just rewind to, to kind of what you were saying around the sort of perceptual telepathy and delusional telepathy. And if I could just like sort of poke, yeah. poke around with that for a bit. Cause I, I, uh, telepathy experiences specifically? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose, because I, I think what kind of, Pops it, it seems like it's this need for it to be real, uh, like I want to say, like material, material real. Because I think if we if we use the word telepathy, then I mean the, the thing that springs to mind me this this is X Men sort of stuff. We're talking about sort of mind to mind communication. And I, yeah, I, 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 wireless. Yeah, yeah, communication. Yeah, which just sounds absolutely horrific. That other people start chiming on inside my head. Right, but, uh, but I think people experience it a lot on psychedelics i definitely have oh yeah for, for sure i have had that experience but i but i i would describe it as telepathy without it ever having to be rooted in material reality because and and but i think that also leaves it open for it to be like you know whatever it is um, in in any kind of in any, in any realm. So you know, if, if like if tomorrow it was pro- it was there was absolutely uh, scientific evidence that there is a uh, a pervading field of consciousness and that we're acting as kind of receivers for it and we're kind of interacting in a way that like mass interacts with gravity or something like that. Then, um, yeah, I think that, that the telepathy as- tele- I get my words out telepathy aspect could still sort of work because it's nothing to do with what's going on in in the material world it's kind of it's happening within this kind of consciousness field at that point so i think that i i can see why that term of delusion of telepathy would sort of get people's backs up um because yeah. it, it kind of dis- it just it completely dismisses it whereas i think per- perception again i know we're playing language games here but it, i think it it, mm-hmm. it it does massage the uh uh the, the community yeah. a little bit uh. And uh, yeah, I, I think delusion of telepathy is too dismissive, even from my own perspective on those experiences. I'm completely open to the idea that uh, that mirror neurons are doing something, that people's psychedelic experiences uh, are more similar, that shared hallucinations can be a thing, that primate brains under certain circumstances can synchronize with each other or that human beings can communicate with each other through subtle types of body language that we're not even consciously aware of or that science isn't even consciously aware of and i do also think that there's a lot of um i'm trying to think uh 
what's it called, theory of mind, mm. the uh, system that you develop as a child where you realize that people know things that you don't know and vice versa. I do think that that is quite often suppressed under the influence of a psychedelic. And when you combine it with those other factors, I do think that brains are likely sync up to a greater degree than people are aware of. I've done some reading into mirror neurons and it seems quite interesting. I think that that can lead to experiences that would seem very similar to an experience of telepathy mm. without actually being telepathy in the traditional sense or how people usually consider it. Yeah, I think I've, I've certainly had experiences of <laughs> telepathy of, of, you know, again, using the word very sort of loosely here, <laughs> but where it felt yes. like it was like, that's how I would describe how I was communicating with the experience and with the with the kind of the autonomous entities that were within that experience it was this there, there was an, an entirely open and transparent communication going on and particularly the, one of the ones that really sticks in my head was within one of these ayahuasca retreats and i was looking around the room and it did feel like we were all inhabiting um some sort of like ex, you know ethereal plane of existence and that we, we there was a lot of um what, what felt like I'm, I'm, I'm one kind of phrase that gets used is like is like boundary dissolution uh, of where it just mm -hmm. felt like um, there was no end of me and you know everyone was just kind of flowing into each other and I've certainly I've had, I've had that experience um, a, a lot you know even at home with with my wife where it's just yeah it it just feels like you just merged into one sort of like virtual reality <laughs> right. metallic blob of I don't know, bloodiness. And that you're having the exact same experience? Well, I, I mean, to me, I, I think that's interesting. It, it, I don't think it matters if we're having the exact same experience. I think what, what kind of matters is that we, it, it, I, I don't know, it almost becomes its own separate thing. I, I, like, it, 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 it is just, that's what it is. It's just boundary dissolution. You just yeah. merged somehow. Right. So that to me sounds less like a, what I would think of as a perception of telepathy, although it's definitely involved and more... Uh, ego disillusion or unity and interconnectedness mm -hmm. where your sense of identity and self uh, becomes expanded to include that which you previously considered separate from yourself which often is your immediate external environment and uh, you know the, the people around you particularly if they're a close romantic partner is much more mm -hmm. likely to happen and it can feel like you're one unified system of behavior rather than these two separate entities and that, that separation was um, an illusory construct of the human mind and I, I guess that could probably lead to feeling <clears throat> like perceptions of telepathy are occurring. Yeah, but, I, th I, th I think uh, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd add a bit of a distinction between them personally. No, I, I, assuming I, I interpreted what you said correctly. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think I, I flawed from one topic in, into the other. I, I, I dissolved. <laughs> it's easy to do that. Yeah, I, I, I'd had a, a minor boat of uh, boundary dissolution in my own sort of thoughts. But yeah, no, my, uh, happens. I, I've, I've, what I was kind of getting at is that yeah, I've had these moments of kind of like group telepathy where, where it's you know it was kind of um i think that this is one of the things that kind of jumps out to me is when you have a lot of these experiences uh, and where you, you find yourself having to use words which previously might have been uncomfortable with because i remember having my first kind of like spiritual experience and thinking shit that was a spiritual like what am i going to do now i've just been like a diehard right. fucking atheist for like the last 20 years like what am i what, how am i going to start using this language and it's a similar thing with with telepathy it's like all oh, right what that, did you do well I, I had to i had to kind of you know do what i, I think the the honest um you know kind of you know interrogation of my own beliefs and, and so i think okay well how does you know 
what, what, how am I going to describe these things? How, how am I going to define them to myself so that, I, so that I, I can, I'm speaking in a consistent way and not just raving like a fucking dickhead about like oh, telepathy and, and, and yeah, angels right. and spiritual. So I, I, yeah, I put some kind of effort. Like, and it, I think interestingly, it, it, a lot of what had got me to that place of non-spirituality came in very useful in passing out that because a lot of the kind of the okay well why do i not believe in like mainstream religion and why am i skeptical about in fact why am i you know why am i good at arguing about certain things and and that when it came to then um this new sort of vocabulary of experiences and and the and the actual vocabulary to describe them i was like okay i'm i'm gonna have to when i use things i'm gonna have to make sure that i i spell out exactly what I what I mean here and that you know be clear that when I am talking in poetic terms and so that I'm not you know because uh, I think this is where I, I see uh, a lot of the um, the stuff that kind of bugs me a little bit in the, in the psychedelic experiences where people will not be clear on what they're saying whether okay am, am I being poetic now am I be, am I doing a bit of narrative fluff or am I saying that I literally believe this to be true and I hope that I I kind of make that distinction like yeah this is this is a trip report. This is just my words. It's it's not my belief system. I'm not going to go home and treat my kids as if this is factual. But you know, this is how it, this is what it felt like. And I, you know, I think that's a, yeah. a, a kind of a, 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 an easy disclaimer to fall back. Is like this is what it feel. It felt like telepathy. It felt like you know I was one with the universe and all this. I felt like I, I met God and. I mean, he did. <laughs> I mean, so sometimes you can't get away, right. get away from that. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly had my fair share of those experiences. Um, uh, I think psychedelics have led me down the, the the pantheist route. If you're familiar with the idea of pantheism, um, I, I, I don't know. Go, go on, just just remind remind me what, what pantheism is. I've got that many isms. Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot of isms. But, but pan, pantheism is the idea. Uh, that everything is God and that the universe as a concept is identical to the concept of God. The way I usually hear people justify that is that if the universe is the all-knowing creator and sustainer of existence, that meets the definition of God, uh, therefore the universe is God, then once they start going down non-dualist uh, <clears throat> monistic ideas of unity, where the universe is a unified system of behavior, it's all one thing, mm -hmm. which we all are, then they start to feel that they are God, but so is everything around them, and so is the entire universe. And that's a conclusion I see people reach quite a lot on psychedelics, and I don't think that there's inherently anything pseudo-scientific about that. It ultimately comes down to how do you define these words? Mm. If you define God as something that could be considered the same as the universe, then yeah, yeah the universe is God. Mm -hmm. But if you consider God to be um, an anthropomorphized deity that is uh, separate from the universe, uh, for example, in the traditional Christian sense, then no, the universe wouldn't meet the definition of God and th the idea of pantheism doesn't make any sense at all. Mm. So it, it kind of comes down to a game of s semantics at that point. Yeah, I think also uh, so it, it's, it's what you do with the, out <laughs> what, what is the outcome of that belief system? So I think, you know, like I said, I flip-flop between them all the time. And I think, you know, to, to sit there and, um, l like you just described, if if you're going to call like you know the big bang or or, the, or you know creation, I think is 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 actually a better sort of term than, than God. You know, like just like creation itself, um, you know, is it, and it gets away from a lot of the baggage there as well. 
then yeah, I mean, absolutely, you can see that we are that we are all that. Um, but then if you start sort of saying yes, and because I know we are that, I've got a direct telephone to it because I've unlocked some mm-hmm. sort of high, then blah 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 blah. That's where it kind of starts getting on, on my tits a bit, and it's you know people start getting a bit uh, carried away with it. But I just wanted with with the the pantheism. So this is different to panpsychism, or is that the same? <coughs> Uh, pan, panpsychism, I guess pan meaning all, oh, yeah. is the idea that consciousness is a spectrum and that everything in the universe is conscious mm. to some degree. Uh, it's, it's not an on or off light switch, like a rock is conscious. Mm. Um, if you hit it with a hammer, it responds, it's aware of some amount of input. <laughs> so the, uh, everything is conscious in that way I, I i guess and yeah that, that's panpsychism i think the ideas are kind of adjacent but they're not the same thing yeah and, and even within panpsychism i know there's a kind of a, a there's a spectrum across it where from like um yeah i think the idea there is just that, that matter generates consciousness and the more complex the matter is uh, assembled then the the more consciousness something will be so you get to something like ourselves we're very conscious whereas the rockies a little bit conscious but, uh, but one kind of interesting right. output of uh panpsychism i thought was then that g- then gives um the space for something like the sun to be conscious this kind of extremely complex system um but yeah you know just kind of like glowing with sort of consciousness and bursting like g- giving life out in it and which then interestingly ties into all these kind of like you know the religious revelation of, of, of the sun so yeah i'm not, yeah. I'm not sure how I, how I feel about them but I, I do like sort of i say going down these rabbit holes with different ideas uh i i mean i i suspect that panpsychism is true but i have nothing to base that on other mm-hmm. than a vague sense of intuition and the drugs telling me it's true mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't try to assert that claim in any kind of a formal setting, but I, I suspect it's probably the case. I don't know if you've heard of the soft and the hard problems of consciousness, oh, yeah, yeah. but it is one solution to the hard problem of consciousness, and I, it seems pl- seems plausible to me. Yeah, I, I actually heard a, a, a podcast with someone doing a really good case for panpsychism. Um, and again, when I, when I first heard it, I thought, this guy's bananas. But then as it went on, I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's kind of yeah. it's quite hard to uh, uh, poke holes in. But, I mean, you, I think you said earlier that you, you kind of like leaned towards the side where that like consciousness emerging out of sort of human brain, something like that. You, you don't give much uh, credence to kind of like consciousness that we are receiving consci- or interacting with consciousness uh. somehow. She's having a cough. I'll, I'll make cough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my, my throat is fucked today. It, it generally always is. Uh, I have Tourette syndrome, so I just like chronically clear my throat against my own will, and that results in my throat constantly being fucked. So, whatever. I'm very neuroatypical. Yeah, I, I just, I just, like, every time I talk to you, like, you, you, you spring like some sort of new, like, oh, there's some kind of condition that, that I've got, uh, there's something going on with my life. With, but you, you, you hide uh, yeah. it very well. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I uh, I had my uh, brain scanned recently by a neuroscientist, and uh, <clears throat> uh, it was it was off the charts. Uh, apparently, in lo- lots of ways that were good, lots of ways that were terrible, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty interesting experience. I got diagnosed with all of the things, 
Uh, but maybe they all just kind of balance each other out, you know. Is that not just like an American sort of thing? Because where they're just trying to like, like, oh yeah, you've got all these things, like you know, like we'll just diagnose you. Uh, no, so I, I got a, I got brain scanned with uh, an EEG at this at this ketamine hmm. retreat, um, and the, uh, I, I found out a number of things about myself which put a lot of things into context for me. So uh, I, I'm extremely neuroatypical. I have no resting brain state. I'm constantly jumping from brain state to brain state to brain state, which is extremely abnormal. Uh, my, my default mode network, uh, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for generating uh, a sense of self, is just offline. It has almost no activity at all, which probably explains why I'm persistently uh, depersonalized. Like I have no sense of self or identity or agency whatsoever. Like I'm talking right now and there are words coming out my mouth, but when I use words like I and me, it's more just a grammatical construct. It's more of an autopilot feeling and it's just happening as a sort of autonomous program. Like I'm some sort of electrochemical system that's responding to sensory input with pre-programmed responses. So that probably ties into why I don't believe in free will because I don't even experience that illusion of free will uh although although i went for a period of my time where i did regain my sense of self through tripping and i had it for about three years and it's like wow i am uh i'm an agent approaching an external environment and i can manipulate that external environment around me by exerting my free will and moving my body and making decisions and stuff and i, I don't have that anymore i'm just on autopilot 100% of the time so you're uh, like, like some sort of you're like the, machine. Yeah, you're like the anti of everybody else in the cycle. Like everyone else is trying to get rid of the, of the sense of self, and you're like you are happy to gain it. Like, can, we, can we just unpack a little bit there for, for the benefits of, of like the audience? Uh, what, what we're talking about with sense of self? So I take it you're talking about the kind of the sense that you are kind of like. In I mean, the way that most people tend to think of this is like that they are like a pilot within themselves. Like I, I am operating the yeah. the, the Rob uh, meat body, and then through people tend to do like stuff like meditation um, or psychedelics to realize that yeah, this is actually this is just happening. Um, so that it, it, are we on the same sort of term set there? Yeah. So from what I have gathered, uh, there is uh, generally speaking in human beings, there is a spectrum of uh, things that the brain labels as itself versus mm. not itself. M most people, uh, they will label their brain, body, their general conception of who they are as a person as their self, their thought stream or their ability to perform actions. They'll label that as me. And then there is at some point there's a, del a delineation that's kind of arbitrary where it becomes not me. Uh, when people go through uh, experiences of unity and interconnectedness, that system of what is included in this conception of me expands mm -hmm. to the point where it can include a person's internally stored model of reality, which in modern day humans is just the, the universe as a whole. So they'll think I am the entire universe. I am everything that I know to exist, everything that is in my internally stored model of reality uh, that I would consider to be the highest level of selfhood as in the most concepts that a person has in their model of reality it has a sense of self applied to it and then on the other end of the spectrum there's depersonalization which is where i am where i don't have a sense of meanness or selfness applied to anything like i, I i'm not going through a state of unity uh or anything like that i just don't have a sense of self so none of it feels like me my thought process don't don't feel like me when I do things. It doesn't feel like me. Uh, it's more 
the, the way that I can describe it to most people is a lot of people do enter that state sometimes when they're performing an action which they're not really paying attention. So you go for a long drive and then you get to the end of the drive and you're like, oh, I was an autopilot that whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't, wasn't really paying attention and now I'm just here. Uh, it's like that, but just all the time. And it sounds terrible, but I seem to function and I seem to be emotionally well adjusted somehow. So, yeah, so, so whatever. Does that not sort of have any impact on like sort of your ability to like, like, like say, form like meaningful connections with sort of things? You know, things like like how you, how you place yourself within you know either these experiences or within within relationship with others, or or is it just that you're kind of it's like I say it's just it's just happening. But it's still you're still getting value from it somehow, or is, is there something there to yeah. to receive the value? Or so this mind body system is still receiving value and positive experiences from the world that is around it, but there's just no sense of self applied mm -hmm. to it. Um, and I've just kind of learned to live with that at this point. I've been like that since the age of 14, apart from that three-year period where I temporarily regained a sense of self. And uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. It did implement certain biases into the subjective effect index because um, for a long time, I thought that ego death was an extension of long-term memory suppression. Because right. when I go through ego death, my sense of self doesn't disappear because I don't have a sense of self in the first place. So I only know that I'm going through ego death when I can no longer remember my name or what I am as a general concept rather than when my sense of self or identity has disappeared. So for me, it's like, can I remember that concept? Can I recall that concept? So I always put ego death in the subjective effect index as um, a side effect of long-term memory suppression. So uh, I had like memory suppression, starting with short-term memory suppression, leading up to long-term memory suppression. And that, in my mind, was ego death. And I since realized over the last couple of years that that was a bias that was implemented into it entirely through my extremely unusual uh, brain and that that's not how it is for everyone. So I, I guess it has impacted some things in a minor way. And that's a, that's the only really clear cut example that I can think of. Yeah, ego death, I'm not even, you can, you, can, you can put out a lot of words that try and come near it, but it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's the, yeah, the, the non-existence of me. <laughs> I don't know, it, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, well, the term ego death is colloquial and does not refer to anything specific. Mm. I did a lot of research into the term and I concluded that uh, when the term is usually used, it's largely arbitrary. There are multiple different types of ego death that can be triggered by different things. And I've identified all of those different types. But generally speaking, if a random person says ego death, they could be referring to anything. They could be referring to a DMT breakthrough in which their sense of mm. ego wasn't affected at all. Mm -hmm. But they call it ego death because it was intense. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've even come across that with people using the term breakthrough, and this is something. I mean, we, yeah. we were talking recently around the um, the e-mesh e as, as a device for this kind of like one-hit breakthrough, and I've had people try that device and suddenly realise actually they'd never broken through. They were like they had no idea what they were talking about until they had this. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. And because I mean, I mean, hey, your your video's gone. My video's gone. Uh oh. Yeah, and your audio's all roboty. Oh shit. Okay, so what's 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 going on? This is supposed to be the good solution. Right, let me see. 
It's, it's all right. Anything going on? I'll just make sure I've got to close a few things down. I'll Live tell you what. Will return when your internet improves. It tells me. Oh, see, I've not got anything like that on my side. I think what we oh. maybe we can just trust in the because it is doing this local buffering thing, and we'll trust in the technology gods that it will okay. it will reconcile all. Um, but yeah, what you, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've, people suddenly. I can hear you all right now. You can hear me. Okay, good. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so people suddenly realise that yeah, they kind of they didn't know what a breakthrough was, which is it's kind of understandable with something like DMT because even at the lower doses, it's still so absolutely fucking bonkers. Um, but again, you know, this is something I'm going to try and um, spell out a little bit in my uh, this, this kind of book I'm planning on uh, on writing, which is a. Uh, yeah, I'll, do, I'll, do, I'll just do a, a quick shameless plug. So yeah, I'd I'd, 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 I'd be curious to hear your conception of ego death, and we can we can compare notes. Yeah, sure. Like I said, I, I I think it's one where I'd have to, yeah, I'd I'd have to jab it a lot to um, put words. So so just give me give me a, a little bit of wiggle room. Um, when I experienced it again, so like when I'd kind of it was one of these things where it's like shit. That was ego death. There's no other word for it. It was um, awareness without any anything that I would identify as me being there. There, there was mm -hmm. something was happening, but there wasn't anything there for me to reference or be scared of or be or feel like I was losing something or gaining something even. Um it was just um you know a, a very if it's a word like voidy, uh, but I mean, voidy makes it sound black and dark and like there was nothing. That's not what, what it was. There was um, an experience. It was very yeah. undefinable. Uh, like I couldn't say, oh, there was a light coming from over there or there was a dude there. It was just, it was just a happening. Um, mm -hmm. So very uh, like, um, like sort of pre Big Bang, and I, and I get this is why what a lot of the kind of the religious stuff tie, could tie into it, like like it, you know it's like, you know if the, if Genesis starts with in the beginning there was, this is like in the, you've not even got to like there was you know there was the word or anything like that. This is like before the word was spoken was ego death, and it, yeah it's, and and I think the bits where it can be jarring or, or sort of or disturbing are on, are on the way in and the way out because um, in the middle there's nothing there to be jarred and I think the people who freak out on it haven't quite gotten there yet or, or are sort of freaking out on the way in so yeah I, I, I don't know if that that's how I would kind of uh, put it together yeah so uh, within the types of ego death that I have identified that would fall under absent selfhood I did a YouTube video on ego death recently that goes into some of the different categories, although there are other categories that I didn't include that I've recently discovered, so I'm mad about that, but whatever. Uh, but absent selfhood is pretty much just the person's sense of self disappears. Mm. <clears throat> and what you're left with is awareness or experience without a subject. So th there's, th there's experience coming in, but there's no you to comment on it mm. to think about it to interpret it it's just pure awareness by itself without a subject and yeah that to, to me that's what when i say ego death that is what i am referring to mm -hmm. i'm referring to absent selfhood your sense of selfhood is 
gone, obliterated. But when other people use it, it can refer to all sorts of things. It'll People often use it as well to refer to experiences of unity and interconnectedness mm. or non-dualism. Uh, but I, I would say that that's a little counterintuitive because your sense of self has actually expanded yeah. in a lot of ways. It's including more concepts than it did previously. So I think it's a little... Uh, it's a little silly to refer to that as ego death, but generally, as far as I can tell, in most cases, when people use that term, they're just referring to a general disruption in their sense of self or selfhood, which I, I guess does include un unity or expanded selfhood. Yeah, I think this this is another, you know, I think what we talk about here is, is another reason why the work that you're doing is so, it's certainly what drew, drew me to things like the subjective effects index, because to to have a, a common vocabulary for all this stuff, I think is, I, I, I would be a bit, I think probably should say it's critical, but it, it's so beneficial, just like, you know, it's like it, having a common vocabulary to dis discuss terms of law or terms of education. It's, you, you just need it. And I think then once you've kind of got that baseline, people can go off and start using things in more poetic ways. But yeah, it's, it's I think, you know, you know, again, super kudos to you for, for taking the time to document all this stuff. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, and kudos to your uh, to your uh, special brain for for <laughs> allowing that. But before we got sidetracked yeah, onto your, you. onto your brain, I, just, I did want to. Uh, we, we were sort of going off and down the tangent. Oh, we were of of the 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 uh, fields of consciousness and the uh, and the and the, the brain as an antenna and. Yeah. You, oh, right. We were talking about that, weren't we? We were. Yeah. So the idea that consciousness is, um, or the brain is a receiver that picks up consciousness like a radio antenna. Well, I've, I've got kind of. I think there's, there's two variations of it. Um, so there's there's that okay. one which yeah. I kind of you know not super keen on. So yeah, the idea that that we are it, it's literally just being beamed into us like a, like a TV signal or something like that. And then the the other one, which I think is slightly more interesting, and I, and I kind of I'm, I'm putting some effort into kind of like hmm, okay, is that it's uh, more of an, an interaction, and like uh, like a, similar to the kind of you know the, the example that's used is um, how kind of you know space time is the interaction of sort of you know objects of mass are creating like a you know a, 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 an interaction of gravity, which is is creating a kind of like a, a field which things are interacting with, and that sort of you know conscious systems so we are biological systems and there is data processing going on here but then something is emerging out of it which is kind of giving rise to something even even greater and yeah i just want I, I, okay i just i wonder like uh, so so wait so, so i'm just trying to compare the, t the two versions of it so one of them is that consciousness is elsewhere and the brain is a radio transceiver that is picking it up and then the other one is basically the opposite that uh it's generating consciousness and then putting it out into some kind of a field yeah so so yeah like let's say like the the first one is that you are a a, a fairly dumb smartphone and you are receiving mm -hmm. youtube and, and and you are playing the the, the juicy youtube channel they are, you know, at me to give, and that's what I'm right. interpreting your personality. <laughs> and the, the the second one would be that there is you are you are Josie, the biological system here on Earth. You are as material as 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 you and I think that you are. Um, but there you you are interacting with something as you know as yet undiscovered. There there is something emergent, um, which is kind of 
um, yeah, it, like I say, some, some kind of pervasive field or some sort of, you know, whatever kind of particular bit of like mm-hmm. sci-fi tachyon interaction nonsense you want to apply yeah. to it. But it, it, this, it, does this go into concepts such as the uh, collective consciousness? I guess it, I guess it could, do, but I, 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 I don't necessarily think it needs to do that. I, I just I, I think the, the way I've kind of understood it is it's. Um, it, like if we, if we think of it in like purely materialistic terms, then consciousness kind of like does in, you know does emerge from our kind of meat, and but kind of ends here, and that's the, it's contained you know it's w- within this, mm-hmm. and then th- this would say would um, this would kind of go more into um, you know some of the kind of like uh, more kind of Buddhist or Hindu concepts is that no actually you know consciousness is expanding out around me so that when I'm um, Ex, you know, and it's kind of interacting with with the the world rim. So when I hear, uh, you know, a, something outside, that is in my consciousness. So th- basically, we are just emanating a kind of a field of conscious and interacting with it. So because we're all feeding into each other, um, then we're all interacting with each other. Consciousness basically creating this kind of like consciousness field. Um, and yeah, I'm, interesting. I'm, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of like I, I, that's that one's really sort of piqued my okay. interest of like. I'm 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 open to the idea. I wouldn't entirely dismiss it or say that it's definitely not true. Um, I, I I imagine that some version of it is true. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about uh, archetypes mm. recently. Uh, archetypes that are stored in the the brain, and uh, I guess people often talk about them in the context of them just kind of being out there uh, in this field. I don't know if this is the same thing. Uh, for example, when people hallucinate, say, uh, mantis-like creatures or reptilians or uh, healing goddesses, that these are archetypes that people are tapping into that exist outside of the brain mm-hmm. uh, in some sort of collective consciousness. But I, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 could, it could I feel be. like I'm overlapping a lot of different ideas here. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, I think that, like, the, the, the archetypes thing is, is definitely interesting because I've, I've certainly had those kind of experiences and again as i when i was coming from like a completely skeptical view and i was like what the fuck is all this like all this mayan mayan sort of imagery just pouring out the seed and like i i've got no st- st- stock in- i have some thoughts and feelings about the mayan and aztec imagery yeah, go for it. Let- being prevalent in well okay so, so when i first like experiencing psychedelic geometry as someone that's quite young uh, I didn't use the term psychedelic geometry. The first term that came to mind for me was Aztec fractals, <laughs> because to, to me they just looked incredibly Aztec-like, mm-hmm. and I uh, I always wondered w- w- why are these uh, these Mayan and Aztec and other um, it's mostly Mayan and Aztec, but people talk about Egyptian and Hindu stuff mm-hmm. being involved as well in their geometry. Are we just seeing that? in our psychedelic geometry or psychedelic hallucinations because we associate those uh, societies and those cultures with this thing and it builds up an association. Or maybe those societies and those cultures um, used were influenced by psychedelics in some way and they tapped into something that was already in the brain and put that kind of art out there. Uh, creating something that then people later experience and put the two together and think, why, why are these things the same? Um, or maybe uh, the same process in the brain that generates geometry is related to the same process of developing artistic styles and languages and pictographs and stuff, so that it's all kind of the same thing 
and uh, that that's why they are related. I think it, it's probably some combination of all three of those options, but it's, it's something I've really been fascinated with for a while. And when we're talking about archetypes and things like that, I'm starting to come to the conclusion that there are concepts embedded within the brain from birth that are much more uh, detailed and coherent than we would necessarily assume. It's not the tabula rasa situation, or however you pronounce it, where people are born of a completely clean slate and then they mm. absorb all concepts externally. I, I do think that some things might just be in the human brain or the, the mammal brain or the reptile brain from birth. I, th I, th I think concepts of insects are a thing. I I've heard that a lot of people experience snakes. Yep. Um, I remember hearing a story that uh, I have no idea if this is true, and I suspect it's not true, <laughs> that uh, Inuit tribes up in very icy places, very far north, where there, there are no snakes, would report hallucinations of snakes. And I think, is, is that just because a snake is the most basic animal? It's like a, a, a cylinder with a head <laughs> on, the, on the end, right? So maybe they're just uh, kind of coming up with that idea independently. But then, uh, <clears throat> this is going to sound kind of silly, but there's a lot of videos online where you put a cucumber on the floor mm. and a cat is afraid yeah, of it because that. they think it's a snake. Even if they've never even seen a snake right so they have a concept of a snake embedded within their brain and i don't see why that couldn't go deeper i don't see why we can't have concepts of uh i don't know union archetypes like wise old man grandmother different plants and animals just vaguely embedded within the brain from birth and i i think the archetypes might have built up from an evolutionary standpoint over time like that yeah. rather than it being out there in some sort of collective unconscious it seems entirely plausible to me yeah. at least yeah i mean i think i mean certainly with, <laughs> with that I, I i think we can spot examples of it on, on a very like simple scale because i mean just, just like a classic you know when you get into things like extended phenotypes so if you ha you know go out any in any forest and you will see birds making nests and they're not taught to do it. They just do it. So there's there's some kind of right. you know some kind of programming somewhere within your average sparrow that is tells it to start assembling twigs in a certain formation, and they'll they'll do it in isolation. They don't need to copy it or anything like that. So the, this idea that we you know could, could also have you know and and I know people would kind of recoil a bit from the language I'm going to use, but I, you know again if we think of it in terms of extended phenotypes, I think it works. Um, that there is a genetic programming, I think, on on some level, so that you know we do have these archetypes, so that we recognise, like, yeah, I recognise the kind of like, the, you know, the father, the old king, sort of, you know, the the and that or my relationship to that, I recognise my mother, you know, the sort of like, you know, the the caregiver, like sort of, and the, the you know, I recognise the fool, you know, and all these, you know, things that you know you find in most kind of like tarot decks and stuff like that, but. I think that, that these are there as a kind of like a pre-programmed um, way of being able to navigate the world at a simple level. Like, all right, okay, yeah, that's the leader. Follow, he's the strong one. Follow him, or he's the bell end. Ignore, ignore him. You know, and, and, <laughs> right. and just being able to sort of like, yeah. So, so that when we tap into the unconscious or the, the subconscious, that these things appear um, very fully fleshed out. Because you know, we, you know, even if we do take it at the purely materialist level, then we, we have got some amazing amount of like biological computing power. Then yeah, I don't think it's surprising at all that these then take on the form of like you know, uh, of uh, entities or beings that know us and sort of um, because yeah, I, I could see this as like some sort of yeah, th this is what we're sort of programmed with. Um, 
So yeah, I I think that particularly like Jung, Jungian psychoanalysis and the and the sort of the the archetypes that within there, I think he was really onto something. Yeah, I just uh, I guess the question is how deep does it go? Uh, I know uh, the only two naturally embedded fears are that of falling and sudden loud noises. Mm. Uh, but it seems that people. I think that concepts like insects and bugs are embedded within people. I think that goes a long way to explain why people see insects and bugs uh, and spiders and such quite so commonly on del delirium substances because it's just something we know to be afraid of. Like we have the itching mm -hmm. instinct because it's there might be an insect when we get get it off. But <clears throat> does it go as deep as uh, societal concepts that have only popped up in humanity in the last, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand years, like the ones you just the ones you just described I, I don't see why it couldn't I, I have no idea how you would even begin to test that but just from my experiences with psychedelics and hearing other people's experiences with psychedelics I've come to the conclusion that concepts embedded within the human brain are much more detailed and elaborate from birth than science has any inkling of right now mm -hmm. so just, just to tie tie that back to the kind of like the the antenna consciousness fieldy kind of stuff I, I, I think it could be like a, a combination of all these things. That, that's why I kind of prefer that. What I want to say prefer. That's why I, I'm, I'm giving that one more time than the kind of the idea of like I'm a I am a empty television and I'm receiving a signal. I, I don't give that any sort of credibility at all. Mm -hmm. But this idea that yeah, I am a I am a complex system. I have this uh, you know this this genetic programming and all the sort of you know that's come from my lineage. I'm having my own experience but i'm kind of interacting with something greater and that kind of opens up to you know when people are, are having these talking like very transcendent experiences of like you know feeling like there's like a, a network of consciousness and stuff like that it's like you know there's like a, yeah you know maybe um i think it and it, it allows us i think a bit of a bit of wiggle room between those things without sort of necessarily having to jump all in and say, yeah it's all you know we're all in the, in the sort of the consciousness cloud kind of thing uh, I'm open to the idea, but I, I would see it more as a useful metaphor mm. than something that's literally true, as in there's literally some sort of analogous equivalent to a radio field or a field of gravity or electromagnetism or whatever uh, that is consciousness that's emanating out of human brains. Uh, so, yeah, I'm... I'm not sure I can. Re I would have to let that one stew before I reach. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's it's, it's literally true. I just think it's. it's I think it's an, yeah. an interesting variation on the kind of the old TV. Um, right. Thing. Uh, yeah, it is. It's the difference between uh, you're, you're the radio versus the radio transmitter. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it, it's. I don't. I I, I kind of like see some some um, some wiggle room there where it kind of like uh, would allow for. Because uh, I, I think what, one example that kind of springs to mind is like, uh, you know, we, we, you know, like Wi-Fi connectedness. You know, there's there is like a device which the device itself is like fairly intelligent and he's able to do stuff. But then we're now in this world where these things are connected and something is emerging out of the connectedness. And then particularly when you get into sort of, you know, opens the door for like, um, you know, we're interacting with it as as biological systems. But then you could also have like um, AI systems interacting with it, and you, so you get this whole new sort of models of consciousness emerging uh, out of it. I guess the way I would see it is that the field that we are interacting with when we're putting things out there is less more of a literal radio field and more of a mimetic space of culture where concepts and uh, informational systems kind of autonomously interact with each other 
over time and it's 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 pr it's producing uh I, I guess a collective culture and there's a system of interaction that is happening that we aren't necessarily consciously doing and it is greater than us and it's happening between all of us but i wouldn't see it as like a literal energetic field yeah yeah i mean like i said i fully appreciate there's absolutely like zero uh, evidence for, for anything like that but it's it's, it's i think it's uh, oh yeah of course yeah. no it's, it's certainly uh, this is high level stoner talk oh, oh yeah yeah we're, we're going completely there. <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask you like if you were like given complete free reign uh like you would never be like held to uh, held like accountable like never be brought up again but if you if there was like some batshit sort of thing that you that you just want to just throw out into the ether like some you know i don't know something like your own sort of version of conscious fields like is there anything that that you just like mm -hmm. i like this and yeah yeah just like the, the the most batshit idea that i have mm. that i'm inclined that, that, that to okay entertain. Uh, that I would entertain. Okay, so uh, this is probably going to sound kind of weird. Um, uh, please, when please I first do. started going, <laughs> when I first started going through what I uh, uh, felt to be, or what I called McKenna syndrome, mm. uh, probably when I was around the age of twenty-one, I could feel this compulsion inside of me to start developing a spiritual framework or a bigger picture context for my life, and I could feel that if I wasn't uh, skeptically grounded into a rational framework that I could have potentially gone off on the deep end. Uh, but, um, Terence McKenna style. Was my, I need to disclaim, I do love Terence McKenna, he's my hero, <laughs> etc. Um, but uh, I could feel that I, I would have done that. But I remember kind of engaging it and thinking, okay, what if I let my brain do this, but I try to remain grounded and rational? What's going to happen here? And what ended up happening is I decided that I wanted to analyze uh, religions which I classified as uh, pre-packaged spiritual ideologies and then I wanted to identify the consistent components within uh, each of them or the, the general frameworks that they tend to be organized around and then I, identi I identified the, the components, I, there was a creation myth, mm. uh, life after death, uh, eth ethical systems, uh, various things, uh, a conception of God, various things like that. I identified all of, I think it was about 10 different individual subcomponents. And then I decided that I wanted to come up with uh, rationalistic, materialistic approaches to each of these concepts that were not based in mythology, but to me were still spiritually satisfying in order to identify a pre-packaged spiritual ideology that wasn't uh, being pulled out of imaginary mythology, mm -hmm. but was being pulled out of philosophical constructs that were more deeply embedded into the fabric of the universe in order to create this. It ended up being some sort of weird neo-Buddhist thing that I called proto-theism or metatheism. <laughs> and I, I thought of it as like a uh, an open source religion, much like a uh, Linux operating system distro that people could take for themselves. So you have this framework of different components. And if those components don't work for them as spiritually satisfying conceptions of the thing that it's for, they could swap them out with their own ones and create their own branches of this, uh, of this spiritual system. And uh, I put a lot of work into that and then eventually got, got distracted. And I figured may maybe I'll eventually implement it into the backstory of like a Dungeons and Dragons character or something. It's, 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 I mean, you say this is like, it's like one of the kind of like, you know, the, 
kind of the, the batshit ideas, but it's it's a really interesting because like, I must admit I've <laughs> toyed with the same thing, and, and given like the context of everything we, we talked about tonight, you know, we've talked about you know traditional frameworks and sort of you know very an, sort of analytical frameworks, and, and you know even being able to acknowledge all this sort of the weirdness of uh, you know whether we have got like genetic programming archetypes, all all this kind of stuff. Then I I'm, and certainly I, I think you know I'm coming at it more or less from the, the same viewpoint as yourself is that I want this kind of uh, these these substances these possibilities to be viewed in like a sort of a rational grounded way and so the the kind of the the, the leap i can to is like yeah i mean you've got to start a cult i mean it's like it's it's re- I mean, there's, there's not many I, i'm using cult in like I, i'm using cult in a very glib kind of way but right but you, you know what they kind of like some kind of i i think some kind of framework is needed and it's not far from what you've just described to, to be honest maybe it might needed a few a few tweaks but you know, when we talk around, like, you know, the benefit that does come from these kind of rituals um, and that, you know, the psychedelics um, kind of cascading out through the sort of the, the mainstream. And there's people like yourself and me and we're doing our sort of bit to try and understand what's going on and communicate it to a, some sort of audience. And, you know, and you, you could say that we're doing this purely for our own entertainment or because we're doing it because we feel a drive to help people. I don't know. I just kind of... Bit of both. Yeah, exactly. Just go with it. Yeah. Well, I think it, it does... <laughs> Um, it, it kind of has like occurred to me like yeah that at some point somebody whether it's us or none of us or, or, or but somebody like he's some kind of framework is going to emerge from this and that's going to have to go through various prototypes to get there and yeah and I think you know there's uh, there's probably a few failed you know failed cults in the in there somewhere but I, I know, so I kind of use the frame kind of like flippantly like yeah do I need to start a cult here like um well best best not (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure it's tempting i've been accused of running cults myself several times and i i I do not want to run a cult so well well, well, let me let me kind of frame it a a little less sort of information what about if if Mm -hmm. in the terms of a community and again i realize that this is saying community is just a pre-runner to uh like to to a cult but i think i I, i've uh, well, or maybe this is just me on my own verge of McKenna syndrome. I am, I have, I have just turned forty-five, so I am in, in the midst of a midlife crisis, uh, probably, or at least, at the very least, I'm on, I'm on the looking at like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the point where I'm definitely not young anymore. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pointing towards. Maybe it's time to start a cult. Could, could, could be, you know, I could like, you know, once my hair goes white and I go go a bit of a beard, I could think I could pull it off. But yeah, at, at least some kind of you know community, and, and certainly I think when I think of my. Um, uh, experiences in South America on these kind of ayahuasca retreats, and sometimes you know I've been there for like a, you know a number of weeks. The, these are kind of like self-contained communities, and they do function. And uh, and I'll certainly grant you that there are there's a first share of these ayahuasca retreats that do go down this kind of culty uh, kind of thing. But there's a lot that work very successfully as a kind of like a a framework, as a kind of like a spiritual church kind of thing, without there being a sort of religious mm-hmm. aspect to it. And that's fine for South America, but since, you know, I'm in Europe and this kind of psychedelic renaissance is exploring and we can acknowledge that there is a value in these kind of, in this ritual element, I'm wondering like, yeah, is, is there, um, is there some way to implement that in, uh, in somewhere like Europe? And if, if, if so, like, am mm-hmm. I being completely consumed by hubris to think that I, I could be... <laughs> <laughs> I've got any picture, but then again, who the fuck am I to be sh- shaking think... my mouth off on YouTube about these things? I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah, I have wondered if there's going to be 
the emergence of some sort of modern Western equivalent equivalent to these rituals uh, that these more ancient cultures have because I don't think we can just copy paste what they're doing oh, for, for sure yeah and do it in our society because I don't think it will work in this context because we don't relate to those kinds of things in the same way it's one thing if you go there and you're doing it with them mm. but to, if we just start doing it over here I don't think it's going to be the same I think we need things that resonate with us uh, within our culture and it's probably probably it's gonna be interesting how that plays out I, I do think something like that is going to come about it's and it probably will be uh, people in this community that are c content creators and being more creative with it that are, are going to have an influence on that. I don't think any one particular person is going to come up with it entirely, but it'll be an organic process that sort of develops over time. Yeah. Well, in interest, I'm going on a, an ayahuasca retreat in January, and that's here in Europe, and that's with two European oh, yeah. shamans. <laughs> so this is not the sort of going, right. going down the sort of... And I believe they did have some training from South America, and I think that's fine to have, you know, to... to uh, mm -hmm. have a lot of sort of inputs from all these different cultures but yeah this will be normally when i've been on on a kind of on a retreat with some um in, in a, like a european setting with european shamans i've had the exact response you just called i thought this is play acting this is pantomime it's kind of bullshit it didn't resonate with me um and then whereas when, when i'm in sort of south america i can i can sort of I sort of yeah I slot into like adopt that framework more easily i just, I just couldn't accept the, the kind of the matrix of the european one but no it's been a while since i've done one of these and somebody offered me to uh, uh to go and have one of these ceremonies so i thought right okay i'll, I'll give it a, i'll try and go at it with a, a fresh uh, set of eyes but just in in terms of what, what you're saying about um the kind of like yeah the let, 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 let's not say european people let's like the western equ equivalent um I'll just, yeah i'm thinking western secular culture yeah so i think there's there's kind of um, a couple of things that uh, jumped to mind of which I've just completely forgotten the first one um, but one uh, that kind of um, jumped to mind which are a kind of a mutual acquaintance of ours is um, the stuff that's going on with um, um, you know and Andre Gomez Emerson you know from the uh, the Quellia Research Institute oh, yeah, I know Andre. yeah yeah and he's mm -hmm. just been um, taking part in this um, this this a conference stroke retreat stroke think tank thing that went down i think it was somewhere in england um when this was like sort of dennis mckenna was there and sort of andrew uh, galmore and um just all, all just anybody who... i just see that he was in the uk yeah yeah i was wondering why he would go there of all places yeah it was something called i've got a link to it it's called the, the uh, i had no idea this, this was going on. it was a very exclusive event um and i think andre is mm -hmm. absolutely one of the right people uh, to be there but he said the the Tyringham Initiative, um, so yeah, like Amanda Fielding, just just anybody who's ever been on like a on a, um, on a on a psychedelics documentary was at this place, and a, a Rupert Sheldrake, blah blah, you know, just, all these different discs. It wasn't just science; it was kind of all kind of disciplines around psychedelics. And yeah, Andrew's been gushing about it, um, about like how yeah, everyone was just throwing ideas into the mix and sort of working out how these ideas could could integrate together whether anybody like saying oh no that's bullshit because i've got the i've got the right sort of theory of stuff here so yeah i wonder if that's some kind of way forward uh for these things and i've just actually remembered what my first point was and that was that i think whatever happens it's i i don't think it, it's gonna have to be um that as psychedelics 
um, do X one. I think it, we do need to adopt this kind of group setting that these traditional settings, uh, these traditional uh, native sort of um, ceremonies have, because the idea of like you know there's a lot of stuff going on with like clinical trials and things like that where you've got sort of one person in a sort of a nerf room and everything you know with headphones on and, and two medical personnel that's just not scalable there's no way that is going to work across society whereas if you've got like a couple of trained people and 25 mm -hmm. recipients in a room that scales a lot more yeah so i think we're going to have to and this this is a leap i think for us as westerners because we, we've kind of our cultures has backed us away to like no no retreat get behind my concrete fortress everyone else fuck off like i want to stay here and then we're just kind of connecting other things mm -hmm. like the internet whereas these kind of traditional cultures are, are very much like no let's all sit together and eat together and live together and we let's our villages are very interwoven so i think this idea of, of like western like psychedelic renaissance where we're gonna have to get used to being very vulnerable uh in sort of spaces next to each other and to, um, i think that's yeah like I said, I, to me that's the only way it kind of scales and that's certainly the kind of like that, that's a really good point actually i hadn't i hadn't really considered that i i think we're actually getting to the point where all of these things are realistically going to have to be worked out mm. quite soon i don't know if you saw um alberta legalized uh medical use of psychedelics from lsd dmt mm. All, the, all, all that stuff for treating mental health conditions. Uh, y yesterday, there's a vote in Colorado coming yeah. up in November for decriminalizing uh, psilocybin and a bunch of other plant uh, medicines. I, I know one of the main funders of that initiative, and I've been involved in their ambassador program because they want me to use my online connections or whatever to get more people to vote. But it seems like it's going to go through regardless. It's polling really well. And uh, since um, Colorado, which is where, where I'm at, uh, they, they legalized uh, cannabis, recreational cannabis use several years ago, and that created a domino effect where other states started doing it. Uh, Denver decriminalized uh, psilocybin, I think, two years ago, and even that started a domino effect where a few other cities around the country, I think mostly on the West Coast, have started decriminalizing psilocybin, and it feels like it's actually happening. I, I think the 2020s are going to be the decade of the the actual psychedelic renaissance it was not the 60s not that much actually happened in the 60s in comparison to what's going on now in terms of like use rates and percentage of people that are uh, taking psychedelics and uh yeah it's all kind of coming to fruition these things are really gonna have to be figured out yeah yeah for sure and, and i think that's i mean first of all I mean, just, just that, that's happening and the fact that it's happened from like yeah being led from america is absolutely fucking mind right what, what are you europeans doing I, i've def i've defected to america uh weed is legal here society hasn't collapsed you think that europeans will be leading the charge on this thing because they're more socially progressive but it's in america where all this stuff is happening and that that genuinely confuses me but interestingly which which i, I think is actually funny because because i think like we discussed on last time we, so we're both traitors i've i've fled to switzerland you fled to the u.s but when you when you yeah. when you look back on on our like our homeland of the uk they're just so fucking stuffy oh. it, it's like no no not happening it makes me <laughs> Right? There was someone talking about bumping uh, cannabis up to a Class A drug recently. Meanwhile, I'm over here in Colorado, and you can just go to the shop and buy it. And 
it's yeah i don't know what's don't know what's going on no. uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that i was in the uk around 2012 to 2016 because it had the best research chemical market in the mm. world for better or worse and it exposed me to so many different molecules that would have been a lot more difficult and it was very formative for me being able to access all those different altered states of consciousness and it led me to where i am now but now they have a blanket ban on the most some of the destructive drug laws in the in the world i mean i guess we don't have the death sentence like they have in some places in southeast asia but it's still not great really yeah yeah it, it's it's absolutely great. but ju just to, coming back to the, the point around the kind of um, the uh, yeah the, the psychic like the way that these things are exploding so again i, I think we need there's like a, a lot of cultural um elements that are missing here beyond the kind of like the legalization part and this is where i'm i'm actually a little bit uh, wary of the kind of the the, the like the legalization ex explosion because while I certainly I'm, I'm absolutely down with um like n people not going to jail and being sort of persecuted for these things the, the bit i kind of i'd say like worry a little bit around is um there is going to be like you know if if these things become absolutely sort of available um then there is going to be a set of collateral damage around them you know because they these things are kind of like i think culturally rewriting and certainly there's like a lot of people who aren't sort of um ready for necessarily for some of these experiences and so it, it's all kind of very well like everyone's like oh yeah i'll be uh you know well, well i'll be this i'll be a neo shaman and i'll i'll be this kind of role in here it's like yeah what about the people who are going to pick up people from outside you know the streets who have gone absolutely fucking banana like what was like the, the the cultural increase and like like who's who's gonna deal wants to deal with the shit of people are going like fucking absolutely like losing their fucking minds um so yeah i think there's there's a lot more open discussion required around like what's actually going to result from the cyclists i mean i, I definitely think it's it's good yeah. uh, but i think it it needs I, a lot more yeah I, I think it's an improvement we're gonna end up in really weird situations in america where in a lot of states uh psychedelics are legal for medical use and you can access them for therapy but only if you can afford it mm. um even if it gets on health insurance like it's typically only middle class people that even have health insurance in the first place and middle class and up i guess and it's it's just going to be this really weird situation where in order to access something that's going to give you spiritual fulfillment you need to argue with your health insurance on the phone and you need to make sure that you have the money to get it in the first place and it's it it sounds very counterintuitive i think it's a step up from the system we have now but i'm kind of wary of uh i mean i i work for a, a biotech uh corporation as i mean we only have five employees and uh we're all associated with the shogun foundation so we have good intentions but i'm not the biggest fan of capitalism and i i, I don't trust that everyone that's entering this space are gonna have entirely good intentions um th th there's been some pretty unethical stuff that's gone down with uh uh, monopolies on recreational cannabis and stuff and I, I, I think similar things are going to happen within the psychedelic space it'll be an improvement from it being criminalized but still it's going to have its own set of problems yeah. if it's happening in this situation where we have capitalism and no public health care yeah I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm unsure of where I, I f land on, on that one because I, 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 I totally agree I've seen some stuff where you, you can see where, where there's, there's somebody somewhere just rubbing their hands and like oh yeah this is like the print print money button but then my kind of th thought is and this might be me being a bit naive is that if it's as, 
if it's kind of um, if things become legal or, or de- decriminalized at least, then I mean the, the kind of the underground still exists. I mean, you know, for a lot of the, stu- uh, the stuff that I'm, yeah. I'm interested in, I try and be- become pretty much kind of like self-sufficient anyway in terms of like things that I grow, things that I extract, and stuff like that. Um, so as long as I'm not being if I could like take away that additional layer of worry, like okay, well I'm not going to get in shit for this, then I don't give a. I kind of I, I tend to think like I don't give a fuck what capitalists are doing. Like that doesn't it doesn't encroach into my space, and I appreciate that's kind of a little selfish kind of thing. But that also, as I say, yeah, I, I'm I have selfish motivations. I like money. <laughs> I want to play the game, but I, I just I do still worry that a lot of people won't have access to this stuff. Well, I've got a solution like for that. Like therapy. I've got a solution for that, Jose. Okay, go on it's then. Rob's cult. <laughs> okay. And it, so as part of the, as part of the, the activity in Rob's cult, mm-hmm. then we would have workshops around mm-hmm. learning to, to, to act, uh, extract and grow and stuff like that. So you see, you, see, it's, you get something back from Rob's DMT cult. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's actually, it's got many... Many many layers to it, uh, but but then yeah we'll we'll end up in there with kind of worshiping me and uh, uh, sending your children. <laughs> well, uh, if nothing else, the plant aspect of it sounds worthwhile. I guess if people can grow their own psychedelics and they don't need to worry about dealing with their health insurance and stuff to get access to these things, maybe, maybe not. Well, maybe skip over the cult part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I'm 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 being somewhat jaw, but <laughs> at least then you'll be able to re- refer back to this video in like ten years' time. It's like, yeah, this is it. This was. This was the red flags. He, These were the signs. He, he, was start, he said he was joking, <laughs> but a oh, motherfucker, yeah. That age, falling. Yeah. Plus, plus I, could, I could probably end up like being a cult of one. So, <laughs> the, the, the lame is... Right, well, the, that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, I don't know, it won't be too... Anyway, I, I was going to say, we're kind of coming up to like the uh, the two-hour mark, so we kind of uh, appreciate sort of... Oh, jeez, I haven't even been looking at the time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's flown by. Uh, so, I mean, last, last couple of things. Like, is there anything, anything you want to like... Um, point at or, or show it or just, or just, any, just anything any topics you want uh, to talk about um y- yeah uh, there is something i would like to talk about uh so i i'm starting a uh, a new online uh pr- pr- project that's an extension of uh, effect index there's a collaboration between effect index right now and blue light and also mindset design which is a, the company i work for and we're trying to set up an open source repository of trip reports that it's very easy for people to sign up to, submit their reports to, um, uh, extract data from their own reports. There's going to be scientific analysis and tagging, and we're going to have a huge database of reports. Blue Light is uh, going to collaborate with us, and they're giving us, I think, 11,000 reports. But I essentially want to usher in a new era of uh, trip reports in which there is a central database that everybody can access and connect to and it's free for people to legally use because the current model right now is that there's well there's there's Arrowwood and I respect Arrowwood mm-hmm. a lot but they uh, do not let people touch their stuff mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint so we're trying we're, we're trying to get around that by set, setting up this, this entirely new model and I, I'm really excited about it I got a big grant from uh, emergence benefactors to hire a full-time web dev to put the whole thing together mindstate is offering uh, resources like we might be doing some kind of a sponsoring program with blue light where we exchange data and we're gonna work together going forward and uh, I think that's gonna be a pretty a pretty big deal and uh, from this model, we're going to be able to analyze these reports and 
uh, it's going to contribute towards my general goal of establishing this new field of phenomenological science in which we're uh, studying altered states of consciousness and documenting them. It's going to be the database for it. And I, I'm really excited about that. It's it's uh, it's it's coming up. We're working on it, and yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Yeah, sure. I mean, once that's up, up and running, I mean, I've, I've certainly got my own collection of, of trick reports. And if it's something, is, is it something? Is it like purely text based that you're looking to? to that what things will be into? Or are you going to like have sort of space there where things, people can attach different kinds of media and stuff? I haven't really thought about video r reports. It would be nice to be able to integrate that. But the thing is, you can't really tag video reports as easily it would require entirely if you have a bunch of text reports i would love to have them because i assume that your reports would be uh, pretty high quality in comparison to the the general the general public um but yeah i haven't i haven't put too much thought into that i i think it's primarily going to be text-based stuff uh, there could easily be the option of including mm. video content i know you do have a lot of uh reports online that are videos of you tripping um but yeah, I, I think textual descriptions of the subjective experience is what we're going to be able to extract data from and then eventually train a machine learning model or natural language processing system to be able to analyze this report automatically once it has a big enough training set to go off of. Because the, the technology for that is very much available, but you just need a training set yeah. and we don't have that training set. And in order to make that training set, we need to manually label a bunch of reports first, so it's it's a huge project. Yeah, I think for some, I, I would be happy to uh, contribute to reports because most, I mean, pretty much nearly all the videos that I make uh, are quite heavily scripted, so I've got, I've got it all in text format anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a, yeah, please send those to me. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and once that's kind of up and running and available to the public, um, let me know, and I'll sort of I'll, I'll do what I can to to help promote that. So just send me send me whatever in, information uh, you've got on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th thanks. It's it's gonna have uh, the new subjective effect index, uh, which I've largely already created based on this literature review, and that's all gonna be tied into it. And we're gonna use this classification system as the tagging system for those reports in order to build up this huge predictive analytical model of psychedelic experience or altered states of consciousness in general. It, it could be applied to any uh, altered state of consciousness, be it meditation, drugs, whatever. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, look, look forward to. I mean, based on your on your previous work, look forward to seeing what you uh, what you come up with, uh, Jose. And I say, send, send me the links. I'll put them all in the description below to, to things like subjective uh, effects index and and uh, to your YouTube channel. Uh, to anybody who's watching, yeah, go and uh, follow Jose's videos. Um, go and check out the replication subreddit. All these different pies that she has her her various uh, uh, online fingers in. Uh, so that sounded a bit weirder than what I. I think I just had. I had one of those. There's a lot of them. One of those moments, like yourself, it just it just came out, Josie. I wasn't I wasn't thinking too much of it. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's fine. <laughs> and on that note, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed the conversation. Time's just flown by. So yeah, thanks for making the time, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, it's been it's been great talking. Uh, we'll we'll do it again when I have more updates. Awesome.